Welcome to the OysterCast, a weekly podcast about the intersection of creativity and technology. My name is Ron Cowie. And I'm Alex Boudelier. And we consist of Oyster Farm Productions, a Rhode Island-based video production company. Today we're going to be talking about the book, A Technique for Producing Ideas, written in 1960 by James Webb Young, why it's still important. And we're also talking with Jess Bachman, the co-founder and creative strategy director of Fireteam, a creative marketing group that partners with businesses of all sizes to help grow their brand using social media and the power of the internet. It's amazing. Now I want to talk about a book written by James Webb Young that was published back in 1965 called A Technique for Producing Ideas. The technique for producing ideas is laid out in five steps, and the first one is pretty simple. Pretty much boils down to know as much as you can about as many things. But when you get a specific problem, to really kind of get as much information as you can that might not make any sense at the time, but you're just gathering and gathering and researching and trying to understand every element and aspect of the situation or the problem at hand. You kind of pile all that information together in a way that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to. It's just a big pile of information and you're looking at it. But you'll get to a point where you have to just walk away and let the subconscious. You, you go up to New Hampshire and you put your boots on and take a hike. That process of just not thinking about it on purpose is really helpful. It opens you up. Then what happens is all of a sudden you'll just get these eureka moments where the idea pops in your head and you go, aha, and you write that down. And that is really the intention or the purpose of this whole thing. Steps four and five is really when you're incorporating conversation with your client or whatever. Like that's where it, it has to work well. That's it. I mean, it's 48 pages, double spaced. Like it's, it's, it is a pamphlet. I think about all the books that are out there on creativity, ideas, and business design, and so on and so forth. 48 pages. Right. Nails it. It's something that you have to practice, but that sums it up. This week, we're talking with Jess Bachman, the co-founder and creative strategy director of Fireteam, a new marketing group that partners with businesses of all sizes to help grow their brand using cutting-edge technology and clear ideas. We ran into them on Twitter recently where they were looking for a brainstorm buddy or somebody that can come up with creative ideas full-time. Take it away. So I guess first off, question, uh, Fireteam put a tweet out there looking for someone to brainstorm with. And I think that's really interesting. And it, it was interesting how it coincided with what we were doing and thinking about just in terms of like, how does, how do, how do you produce ideas? And, sure. and we, we've been kind of working off of the James Webb Young book, you know, that was written in 65 about this very thing. And it's, it's like, okay. And he was an advertising guy and said and had this five-step program that was pretty simple of just like drilling down having kind of a good liberal arts education then drilling down into something 
and thinking, 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 and then kind of walking away. And then you have this eureka stuff that where you get your ideas and then you have to kind of implement. And I think one of the things that I'm most, a couple of things, you know, first, you're in the business of ideas. And the thing that I've been thinking about today that was interesting to me the most is that your business is really based on having to put numbers to ideas. Like mm-hmm. you have to go to a client or your clients and say, this yep. is a good idea and these are the numbers to back it. Or you have this idea and here are some numbers that back it up that can prove that it's a good idea. Like, Yep. Yeah. Well, there's, well, I mean, marketing is a huge field and there's lots of places where the idea is less important. Like if you're doing SEO yeah. or um, uh, even, even a lot of what we do, which is like paid social, you just put ads on YouTube and, and mm-hmm. get people in there. There's, there's ideas there on, on a very smaller level, like what image is going to work or what copy is going to work. Yeah. But um, what we really like doing and what we're doing more, which is the reason why I put the tweet out is because we're doing more uh, like full campaign style marketing efforts where um, it's it's multi-platform mm-hmm. and there's a sort of a very specific objective and one of the things that I find really interesting is that um, for the most part our clients don't have a lot of money uh-huh. um, we are a a newer agency we came from a, a much larger uh, much older agency where the clients did have money mm-hmm. and now we're in a situation where, we really want to produce uh, great results, but there's not a lot of money. So the idea needs to be incredibly robust mm-hmm. um, and it, it can't rely on, uh, we're just going to throw it like a celebrity at it, or we're just going to throw a ton of media dollars at it. Yeah. And it is what it is. So um, the idea has to be like uh, complicated and work on multiple levels um, to, to be effective, to do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I, I guess to to follow up with that, I understand the idea that you just can't have. I'm thinking Pete Rose. I don't know why um, Pete Rose standing and saying, you know, this is a great thing. This ro- this deodorant is. I bet you love this deodorant as much as I do. And people go, oh yeah, Pete Rose. I'll I'll buy it too. Sure. It it sounds almost like you're trying to figure out how to get things to be what someone would call viral. Yeah. And that's actually my background in my history. Um, I started in marketing, creating uh, content marketing, particularly uh-huh. creating infographics Okay, back in like 2006 mm-hmm. before they even called infographics. And then I worked with, I really got worked with this uh, company called mint.com. Okay. You ever heard of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was with them from um, launch to acquisition, and a big part of their strategy was just like you just create these these infographics, like what's going on in the market or in the news. Now let's condense that to an infographic and mm-hmm. try and make it viral. And so it was really to my job to see what people were talking about or thinking about it, and take that information and make it palatable. Like one of the most popular things was why are HDMI cables so overpriced, mm-hmm. you know? And I I don't know how I thought of that, but it was just something that incredibly resonated very well. And the the power to resonate is, it's like it's like the antidote to not having a lot of money yeah. to, to do something. You oh, know? yeah. So 
So we, we, we really need to rely on these other soft benefits of the idea mm-hmm. um, versus the hard, tangible budgets. So with the tweet, you're looking for someone to help brainstorm with or whatever, aside from someone who has a lot of ideas or is just, what is, what would be the ideal candidate? Yeah, I think um, the ideal candidate is someone who, well, there's a few things. Okay. I, you know, personally, I think that having a very diverse background mm-hmm. will be incredibly effective, you know, exposed to different cultures or different places yeah. um, or have, having taken some twists and turns in their career in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and if I see some of that on your LinkedIn, that's the positive that you uh, tried a bunch of stuff and failed or whatever. Yeah. Just, just having experiences that, you know, create different neural pathways in the brain than uh, a typical journey through Solomon's career. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, now, I was thinking while you were talking about working at Mint back in 2006, and here we are, you know, 15 years later. I mean, the industry obviously has changed because technology has advanced, but at the end of the day, is it are the fundamentals the same for what you do? Um, yes, the fundamentals are the same, mm-hmm. but the uh, the platforms aren't. Yeah. Uh, back back then, uh, infographics was um, it was certainly a thing that was getting popular, and you could lean into that and almost make anything, and it would work. Um, I wouldn't touch an infographic with a ten foot pole at this stage, and I haven't yeah. done them in like five or six years. Yeah. So one of the things we try to do when we come up with a campaign idea is is there like three dimensions to it that that make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe one of them is uh, the the product will work with this audience for a particular reason, mm-hmm. or the audience is this type of person, so this campaign idea would work with them. But a lot of it is like we need to make use of the platform uh, as best we can. There's some mechanic within the platform that that the idea also feeds into, and if we can really get three things going on, it, uh-huh. it feels like it's a success. And a lot of times when you see like Super Bowl commercials where it's like, uh, we're going to put John Cena in this and that's one dimension. And that's like all there is to it. Yeah. Um, It's because I feel like they're not forced to innovate. You know, Mm -hmm. necessity is the mother of all invention. And a lot of times when you're when you're tasked with making a commercial that's $10 million, you don't have that necessity anymore. Where where do you look for the inspiration? Like, for instance, I I say I'm a client and I I sell widgets or whatever, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. what's the difference between, say, like an Instagram and I want to be only on social media and, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. I've heard the algorithms are changing all the time. And as soon as you think you're an expert in one, the algorithms change and, oh, that's how they get you. And it can be really frustrating. And you see people, it it seems almost, I I think that the trick, and this is more a statement than a question of social media, is that they make it look easy, but it's not. Like, there's really, like, in order to do it, everyone thinks that they're they're kind of gaming the system because they're doing this, that, or the other. Sure. But then there's you, and I, I can guarantee you that you probably get more results... Than I yeah. Would. Well, there's there's ways to 
sort of swim with the stream, so to speak. Like yeah. if you were uh, on TikTok or something, if you start if you started your brand on TikTok last year, yeah, I guarantee you that's a success, no matter what you were putting out there, uh-huh. just because the whole platform uh, is getting super popular. And by that point, you probably already have a few viral things and, and you mm-hmm. know, tens of thousands or hundred thousand followers. But to get into the like the Twitter game now, mm-hmm. that that absolutely requires the utmost skilled writer possible. Yeah, you know, uh, because it's so mature, uh, and and you have to grind it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, Clubhouse is another example. I don't know if you're familiar with that platform. Just, I know it exists. Right. Yeah, so it's growing very popular. uh, And because of that, you have people with hundreds of thousands of followers that have no business uh, having that many Mm -hmm. just because they were early in their first. So there's lots of ways at it, for sure. You know, let's kind of get back to the idea of producing ideas. And and that's kind of... That is what you do at the at the center of everything. Mm-hmm. It's like we're you know the social media might be the outlets, but ultimately it's like what is the process for fire team to create it, an idea? You you have a client. They say I yep. you know whatever. What do you need from the client, and what's your process look like once you know that first check clears the bank? Yep. Uh, so one of the first things we do is we try to understand. Um, what their goal is, mm-hmm. uh, and what and what they say their goal is, but also like what they actually want, and yeah. there's like some a hierarchy of goals because sometimes it's to get email signups, and sometimes it's to make my boss look good, or I mean, there's lots of different ways at it. But we try to identify, you know, what success generally looks like mm-hmm. in hard and soft numbers, and then beyond that, we try and figure out what their assets are. Like, what do we have to work with? for this campaign Uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, for example we're working with a client now who sells tax software Mm -hmm. um, and for whatever reason they really want to make a splash in the crossfit space they want to be the tax software for crossfit people Mm -hmm. Um, that's their decision not our decision however those are things that we're working with so one of the assets that they have is they sponsor this CrossFit athlete. So how can we work him in and leverage him? Mm-hmm. But another asset they have is the mere fact that there's a tax software playing in the CrossFit space is weird. Yeah. It is uh, unconventional. So how can we leverage that for a certain amount of press hits or mm-hmm. as well? So sometimes brands just have money. Sometimes they have uh, particular people on staff that are very good. Like if they had a really good writer or uh, a very good process for something, we try and figure out what these, what all the assets are. So we know what sort of building blocks that we have to play with. And, uh, and kind of what, what is the, um, what is the timeline from first meeting to we're putting things out into the stream? How, how long does that usually take with, your average client like is it a week is it two weeks i mean i know it's it's it varies but this client that you have i have a tax software and i got a crossfit Mm -hmm. guy i don't know what to do i want to sell more tax software what can you do you know what is the all right so you you have that initial meeting and you know what do you start doing is it like spitballing like campaigns like advertising or yeah, so we usually have like a like a discovery meeting with the client, uh-huh. um, and then we like to take about a week to come back with 
um, three ideas that are uh, decently resourced uh, and, and a little bit different. Uh -huh. And the process for that is like once we, like we have an internal sort of brainstorming session and these are they're never longer than 90 minutes mm -hmm. and usually that's where like 85% of the idea is done okay uh, there and it's usually like um there's no there's no good ideas uh in the first half of this meeting for sure and it's it's all just uh, uh garbage but a lot of times you just need to if you have something in your head, you just need to like speak it out into existence and see how it sounds. Yeah, uh, and, and bounce it all over the place. And uh, a lot there's there's people that are like very good at uh, coming up with uh, initial idea, and there's people that are very good at plussing other people's ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're different skills, and they're both incredibly valuable. But um, you know, uh, I'm pretty good at uh, doing a little bit of both. But some of my partners are also good at uh, plussing ideas in particular. So I'll just I'll just uh, speak and start rambling, and you know, it's just like it's like you're given uh, Legos one at a time, and yeah. you don't really know what you're building, but you, at some point, it starts to take some shape, and it feels like, oh, this could be a duck or something. So you go in that sort of direction, but by the end of ninety minutes, it's like this is almost done, and we just need to plus it a bit, or sometimes even pare it down. That sounds a lot like improv. Yeah, it is. Like, it is very improv and it's yeah. very, um, some people don't like that. I mean, some people are, are, I need to, uh, go away to a cave and think about this idea and come yeah. back and present my version of this idea or whatever. That's just not the way we are. Yeah. Well, and so now you were at nail, nail communications before, and you started your own firm. Do you feel like this is, I mean, obviously it's your firm, so there is a freedom, and is there something that are are you serving? I mean, because I know this is a small state, you know mm -hmm. that you you have to kind of carve out your own thing. And I don't know if there was a non compete, and if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. We can move on. <laughs> it, 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 but it just kind of seems like all right, you know that that's interesting. It's like I'm going to start my own firm. What are you specializing in that maybe isn't being done a lot? What what? Sure. Inspired you to kind of say, you know what? I see something. I see an opportunity here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was because, you know, I came up with I, at at Nail. I was the digital strategy director, so uh -huh. I came up with a lot of these particular ideas, both for clients and f internally as well. Uh -huh. But for w one reason or another, they just never came to fruition, whether uh -huh. it was like uh, impossible to do anything with Gatorade because it's just such a giant behemoth of a whatever. And they're just too risk adverse or um, or even even the agency was a little too risk averse, uh, trying crazy stuff. And it feels like I was tired of thinking about like, man, if only the, if only we had done that idea. If only we had like yeah. executed on it. Uh, and it feels like we're in a place now where we are very close to our clients. Um, and some with some clients, we are the entire marketing department. Mm -hmm. uh, we have one client where we do paid social, organic social, email. We even design their product as well. So it's like we we are like half of the decision maker on on what to do. So uh, I like being in, in that situation and 
pitching risky stuff, but also knowing uh, it, it's better received because we're not just an AOR, yeah, an agency of record, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that so it's like smaller clients for now, but also with with that comes, well, we trust you. It's not that we have less to lose, but there there's kind of a more. It seems like it's a more fertile ground to take some chances. That you're right, larger corporations they can't do, and that that's been yeah. my experience too. It's been it, it was very frustrating to kind of come up with some ideas or whatever and just realize it's never going to go anyplace because it goes through this sausage factory of yep. where the oh let's let's send it through these different rooms and each room gets to suck a little bit of the life right out of it. You know, and at the end of the day... <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, a committee or something. Yeah, yeah, and at the end of the day, you get, you know, you know your white Oxford shirt. Um, right. So what, what, what's your favorite idea that you're, you've been working on this month? Um, sure. So, 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 so we had a, um, a client just uh, reach out to us uh, they were actually a former uh, nail client. Oh. Um, they are in the pickle space. They sell pickles. Um, you probably heard of them. But um, and it's just like they came to us and they were like, hey, can you help us with Twitter? Because Clausen's is now on Twitter and they're doing a great job and we want you to help like beat them up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're like, yeah, that's a cool idea. But what if we did something uh, entirely different? And so we pitched an idea to use NFTs. Are you familiar with NFTs? No. They are non... It's it's horribly complicated. I'm going to do a terrible job explaining it. It's called non-fungible tokens. Oh, I like it. But it's, but it's a way of taking something that's digital, like a digital piece of art, uh-huh. and uh, putting it essentially in the blockchain so it has ownership and it has scarcity. Mm-hmm. So like if I make a, a piece of art or something, I'm going to create uh, five NFTs and there's five of these. And even though you can like copy and paste it and put it on your desktop or print it out, there's only five people that can, oh, I'm using air quotes, own this particular thing. Uh-huh. And so because of that, there's all these, there's like this, there's bidding war. Christie's is, is now selling some of these things. Um, there's these like little icons called crypto punks, which are it just looks like an eight bit character that are selling for like four hundred thousand dollars just because they're rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pokemon's doing this. Uh, Top Shot, which is a is is a partnership with the NBA because mm-hmm. the NBA used to, well, they still do physical cards, but that's not what the kids are into these days. So they're doing like these digital cards which you can own, and it's like you have to get in line with like seventy seven thousand other people to do. To like get one of these packs. I mean, so there's a lot of sort of hype around it. I heard about that. That's nuts. I it's mean, crazy. I, I grew up. I mean, I, I'm going to be 51 this week, and so I grew up like collecting baseball cards. And I was in college when baseball cards were kind of being treated like this. Oh, yeah, you know, it's the Beanie Babies. Yep. You know, for now, but Beanie Babies don't exist yet. And, right. and now, it, you know, you can't give away your baseball cards. You know. Well. Baseball cards have actually done a, a complete turnaround. What? Uh, most largely due to like Gary Vaynerchuk because he's just like uh, f- that used to be his thing, uh-huh. and now he wants it to be a thing again. Uh, so you actually can sell baseball cards again. I don't know for how much longer, given yeah. all these NFTs entering the market. Yeah, but, 
so back to this pickle brand. Yes, back um, to the pickle brand. Sorry. And the only reason why I thought of it for this pickle brand is because this pickle brand is actually like one of the hippest sort of street brands out there. They uh -huh. did this collaboration with Patrick Ewing and created a, a sneaker. Uh, they're sold in Urban Outfitters where they do like these parties and drops and stuff. So there's a real weird subculture to this particular huh. pickle brand that's coming from the owners okay who are that's just their thing and they want to make a sneaker and they made a sneaker and it's it's related to this pickle brand um so i was like let's do something with nfts which is also sort of a, a, a burgeoning subculture here and let's take their their mascot which is very fun and like turn into a character mm -hmm. and make nfts out of it where a lot of the the fans can like bu cannot buy but like collect or redeem some of these uh nfts by like scanning the barcode or something and now mm -hmm. you have this thing and it just becomes it becomes not we're not just like beating up clausens on twitter which is like a, a 2017 strategy yeah we're going to clausens being like uh we're bringing the like 2022 strategy to you let's see what you can do and clausens is like a craft brand there's no there's no chance they could compete with that yeah you know so leaning into one of their assets which is uh, this weird subculture and then leading into the hype of the NFTs. Um, and that's sort of all we've got with the ideas. Well, it's, you're outsmarting them by almost outteching them. It's like they're doing something, like you said, 2017 branding or, or strategy and yep. you're, you're into next year. And, and not and not only that, but you have a really good idea along with it. It's, it's not just we're being clever but you have kind of this whole concept that goes on with and plays well. The, I mean, I, I, I reminded of um, the there there was the the guy who was the head of counterintelligence for the CIA back in the '60s, John Jesus Angleton, who was like the spook <laughs> spook, and yeah. he had this whole series of file cards that he just kept around, and, and this does this. Does make sense. Stick with me, Jess. Um, yeah. And but he he talked about like counter espionage as being a wilderness of mirrors, and I love that mm -hmm. kind of analogy. And I, I think about what you're doing, and it's like there there are rabbit holes within rabbit holes, and this technology that's out there, and how you can kind of leverage all these things, and you take this idea that's probably you know simple and smart and and original but how you can kind of implement it and it just goes into all these different um oh it's not a tesseract but it just it just or one one aspect that we like we do like to propose crazy ideas when you go yeah. to a pickle brand and you're like let's create something that you've never heard of and now i need to sell you on this thing you've never heard of yeah um, one of the ways we do it is we create all these sort of extensions around it and and the, and the idea is it's not so much the idea, but it's like the idea and argument uh, around it and and like why this will work. And so we try our best to yeah. de-risk the crazy ideas yeah. so we can even get them to say yes. Um, and the process of de-risking is really what the client wants to hear because they want to hear about how this helps sales and yeah. how this helps brand and whatever. And we have to we have to go through that in order to sell the crazy ideas. So seem to like it. No, that make that makes a lot of sense. And, and it sounds like the process that, you know, 
Webb, James Webb was talking about back in 65, which is really simple. And it's your brainstorming session, you know, and then after the mm-hmm. brainstorming session is like, well, let's just go out to lunch. And then you come back and it's like, it, you know, it, you have to kind of like let things cool off and then you can see yep. what's still sticking to the wall still. And we think, okay, there you go. We got our three ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And then you take it to the client. But the, you know, the sense of, you know, de-risking with this whole other universe, you know, which I, I can totally understand why, it, you know, most you know, advertising dollars, that marketing dollars, that's that's precious money in a lot of ways. It's, yeah. You know, especially now because there are so many avenues and so many, you know, channels. And it's like, I don't know. You know, it sometimes it feels like you're just kind of throwing money into a fire and, you know, well, I don't know. Am I warm or is it the sweater? Right. And, and that was sort of my job at the previous agency where uh, creative directors would come up with uh, some crazy uh, or some cool conceptual idea. Uh-huh. And as the digital strategy director, it was my job to figure out, like, what does this actually look like? Uh, and where does this actually go? And, and how, can this, how can I make this work? You know? mm-hmm. um, and so now I've just I've I've taken that whole process and, and applied some of my own crazy ideas, which are even more native to the platforms themselves. You know, uh-huh. um, I do not get romantic about uh, ideas at all. So okay, well that that's actually interesting. I mean, and that's good because some people do. Why why would you say you don't get romantic about them? Um, well, one reason is we. We we do a lot of paid social, and so we we are. Can I just let my dog in for of, real quick? Of course, we uh, love dogs. On. So yeah, so we do a lot of paid social, which uh, is very much the intersection of creative and data, because you can uh-huh. very quickly say uh, this copy line worked, and this image worked, and this. This pitch or this campaign yeah. idea worked, and this one didn't. And so I very much know that um, I don't get it right, uh, like most of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an iterative process to figuring out uh, what this what the audience wants to hear, what really resonates. Um, so when you're at, like at at the previous agency, it was just like all in on uh, this one idea, and I'm like, I don't. It's a cool idea. I just don't know if it works or not. Yeah. You know, and so I, it's hard for me to really attach myself to something that has no data other than uh, a gut feeling or experience or something. What was your favorite project? And we can end with this. Just and, and sure. walk walk us through the process of it. You know, the thing is like, man, this one I'm going to eat out on forever because it just was so much fun. It didn't even feel like work. Yep. Uh, so the favorite pr- uh, project was a campaign on on Reddit. Okay. That we did for a uh, cider brand, Woodchuck Cider. Okay. And uh, it was a it, it was it was a very much a thing where we 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 knew Woodchuck did not have uh, a ton of money. I mean, they used to be like the number. T- they used to be have fifty percent of the cider market, and then. Um, Angry Orchard came in, which is like Anheuser Busch or whatever, yeah. just like literally destroyed them down mm-hmm. to two percent. So they did not have a lot of resources to compete. 
traditionally, but we felt like their audience was was older. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like this dormant audience, which is very much a Reddit audience. Okay. Like those people are like 30 plus uh, generally. Mm-hmm. So we knew their audience was there uh, and we knew that we could really activate them in an interesting way. And so we had a plan to make Woodchuck Reddit's uh, favorite uh, alcohol drink. Mm-hmm. And we only had a summer to do it, a couple of months. And so we knew that wouldn't it be cool if we got Reddit to uh, come up and design a a cider and then give it a name and like wouldn't that be a fun journey to go on uh, collaboratively on Reddit? Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is uh, we had no we had no. Um, they couldn't do that. Woodchuck just couldn't. You can't make a cider that fast or whatever. However, they did have a mimosa, a couple of barrels of some mimosa thing that they were testing, mm-hmm. which was orange enough to feel like maybe we could make Reddit think they came up with this thing. Uh-huh. So we knew what the the final post would be. Um, like we want a, a photo of a upvote shape tap handle, and it's, the post is going to say, we did it, Reddit. Which is a which is a Reddit slogan. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm on Reddit. I'm I I, I get <laughs> yeah. it. I kind of get it. I don't get it. Okay. But I'm on. Well, Reddit. we worked we worked backwards from there, um, and the the campaign took place as Reddit ads with open comments. Uh huh. And one thing you never do on Reddit is leave your comments open as an advertiser because you just get destroyed. Yeah. Um, because that's it's a sport. It's a blood sport. For yes. Redditors. But I've been a Redditor for 14 years myself, and I knew how to handle these particular people. Mm-hmm. So uh, we left the comments open. I managed to turn people around and make and make people like uh, the brand initially. Um, and then some of the other Woodchuck fans saw what was going on. And then it got to a point where we had to create our own subreddit because there was so much sort of uh, goodwill and we needed a place to put it. And from that subreddit, we sort of reverse engineered the creating, I'm using air quotes, of this mm-hmm. cider where, you know, we asked uh, Reddit, like, what would you like? And, and like, someone mentioned orange, and we're like, oh, that's a really great idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and we and they came up with a, a name. It was called Karma uh, for obvious reasons. And then at the end of the campaign, we, we did have that particular post. We said, it, it says, we did it. We got a custom Reddit upvote tap handle made. And it was a huge success. And the Reddit, um, the Reddit team actually flew us out to New York to present to Reddit about how we pulled this off. Because mm-hmm. it was like a huge hit internally at Reddit because everyone hates advertisers, sort of except us yeah. in this case. So uh, it was it was celebrated, and then it was nominated for a Webby or something like that. That's cool. And obviously, did the numbers for it was Woodcheck, right? Woodchuck. Woodchuck. Did they say, hey, you know what? We can see that our sales went up thanks to you. Yeah, they had their highest sales month in seven years. There you go. All right. So that's cool. Yeah, (laughs) no, totally. And and, I mean, that's what really, what I think is interesting is it it almost feels like it it was a collaboration with a community and that kind of back and forth, which is really exciting. It sounds like that's almost what you're doing at... um, at fire team, you know, where you, you just bat around ideas. Everything is a collaboration. Everyone's sharing. It's, it's a yes. And world. 
yeah, that that campaign was inter- was interesting um, because if Reddit had known that it was run by an advertiser, because I was playing the persona as the social media guy ah. at, at Woodchuck, just trying this Reddit thing, hoping it works, fingers oh. crossed. So for like two months, I was living this double secret agent life where if I were exposed, it, it could have all uh, gone down. You see, place. the CIA reference... <laughs> right. It, it, see, see, yep. I, it's all there now. We, we're through the looking glass. Uh, yep. Well, uh, thank you very much. I mean, th- th- this was. It, I mean, we just scratched the surface, but it's ten o'clock at night, and you're a family man. I'm a family man. We have dogs. Um, you know, but we could talk longer and longer. But we got tons, and sure, yeah, I actually want to talk again. So let's let's not say goodbye. Let's just say see you later. Yeah, well, and, and tell t- us t- where t- someone could find, you know, apply for the job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you go on Twitter, if you go to at Hire Fire Team, you can find our profile. I We've done, we've done a lot of hiring uh, recently, and it's almost all just through Twitter DMs. Hmm. Like, I, I, I can't, I, resumes, I can't stand looking at resumes. I can't stand being on LinkedIn. Um I'm very good at just getting a, a vibe of someone. Uh, so, yeah, send me a DM, uh, and that's the best way to do it. Okay. Jess, thank you very much. Thank you. That, Appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks we'll for be, joining us. Yeah, we'll be in touch. <laughs> this has been fun. Yeah. You have been listening to the OysterCast with Alex Boudelier and Ron Cowie. Please subscribe so you don't miss out on a single episode. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts with any questions or comments you might have. And here's a little thing. Send us your favorite recipe, and we'll cook it and give it a review. Until next week, be well and have fun. Nice.